You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. So good morning. Let this just be a connection. I'm your bridge to the past when I bring books and papers. Anyway, we're going to do mother things. We're going to scold you. I'm just kidding. We, uh, we want to honor our moms this morning. We just want to recognize you. If you are a mother, a grandmother, a stepmother, expectant mother, uh, would you guys just stand right where you are? That would be awesome. Look at this beautiful group Woo! of women. Wow. Awesome. So awesome. We love and appreciate all of you. And uh, if you'll just stay standing, we want to pray a prayer of blessing over you because you guys bless us so much uh, in our families, in our church family. Uh, you are amazing, and we love you, and we appreciate you. We also have a gift for you this morning at the end of the celebration, some amazing chocolates from across the street at La Bonbonniere. Uh, and so we keep saying, hey, don't we want to do something different? And all the moms on staff say, no. Right. So that's why you're getting chocolate again. So we are delighted. So um, if you are near uh, a mom and you feel comfortable just holding out your hands or just, uh, just blessing them, Holy Spirit, we, we love you. And we thank you for your love for us. And we thank you for all the ways that you display your love for us through these amazing moms. Lord, we, we thank you that you meet them right where they are and that you will give them everything they need to be the mom that you've called them to be, that you've purposed them to be, not that someone else says they need to be. Yes, Lord. But Lord, we, we pray that right now they would hear your affirmation over them, your delight in them, your pleasure over them, God, and that you would just meet their needs. Um, Lord, I pray that they would just experience your kingdom, your joy, your peace. Lord, wherever there are things, and there are things in all of our lives that need to be set right, come, Holy Spirit, and, and set things right, we pray in Jesus' name. And as my part of the prayer, I'm going to read you Psalm 139. This is a prayer, so keep praying. <laughs> where can I go from your spirit, from your presence? Where can I flee? If I ascend to the heavens, you are there. If I lie down... In the dark places, there you are. If I take the wings of dawn and dwell beyond the sea. Even there, your hand guides me. Your right hand holds me fast. You formed my innermost beings. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my very self you know. And in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, know that you are known by him. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We love you guys and bless you. Please don't leave this morning without getting your chocolates. And right now to present uh, our uh, Life and New Creation message this morning, our children's pastor and our outreach pastor, Mary Margaret Leroy. Woo. always so exciting, isn't it? None of us ever know what's really going to happen. 
I guess I'm sorry, all these things. Okay, I was really like pro them getting the smaller thing, but now I'm very anti them getting the smaller thing. I don't have too many things. Okay, all right, you'll be patient with me and I won't spill my tea. So yeah, happy Mother's Day. Good time, right? Right? So um, yeah, this would be a great time. Um, well, we just prayed. So does that prayer count for the sermon too? All right. Okay, well, we'll say it does. <laughs> so, uh, again, this, the series, Life in New Creation. So, this is not going to be a straight-up Mother's Day sermon, and all of you that are not mothers, yeah, you're like, well, good, I'm not going to waste the next you know, 20 minutes or whatever. Um, this is for everybody, but there will be these times where I'm really going to highlight us as moms because it's a thing to be a mom, just let me tell you. And here is something that... Um, Really, I don't know that anyone else can say but us. None of you would be here without us. <laughs> I know there's biology involved, so yeah, just it was just it just came to my head anyway. But today we're going to be talking about sowing and reaping, and sowing and reaping is surrender. And that sounds like a bunch of verbs. Technically, I think it's really some gerunds and a verb, but um, but it's it's stuff to do. So I'm going to read to you Galatians 6, 7 through 9. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows, and the one who sows to please the sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Okay, I have been a Christian a really long time. I've read the Bible a really long time, so I can have fun with this, okay? So, I'm also, and as you know, I'm an unabashed feminist, and one of the things that I think is so great about being a feminist in the South, you can wear pink in makeup, okay? All right, so I am going to say, see, when I was reading over this, like, you know, it has the man, the man, and uh, there have been times in my life where I really chapped my hide. And I was talking to Reese one day about it. I said, you know what? I'm inventing a thing called the weaker flesh loophole. Because that's what they call us, you know, because somebody decided that's what it meant when they translated it. But uh, so I said, every time it says stuff like that stuff that's hard, not doing it. Weaker flesh loophole. Don't do it. (laughs) But in all seriousness and sincerity and reverence and deference to those of you that I just really made mad. Um, it really just means everyone, okay? Everyone. Whatever any person reaps, that person's, I mean, sows, that person's, whatever that person sows, they're going to reap. And when we sow to certain things, then certain things are going to happen. Um, so when you look at that scripture, just on its own, without thinking about, without framing it in the character of God, it sounds very harsh. It sounds very transactional. And that's not at all what it is. When we put this, when we place this scripture into the framework of the amazing, loving, caring, abiding presence of God in that character, in the truth of his character, then it's not that way at all. It's relational. Um, Whether it's, uh, it's not a quid pro quo. It's not a math problem. It's a relationship. 
and in relationships, if they're real relationships, if they're authentic relationships, they're going to be ebbs and flows. They're going to be the high points. They're going to be the low points. They're going to be the challenges. There's going to be the victories. They're going to be the times that we sow to the wrong thing and the times that we are redeemed from that choice. So relationships are living. There's an examine that I do once a month. Um, and an examine is a spiritual rhythm practice to go back to what Roger was saying a second ago. And it's basically you just look over your day and you think, okay, what went right? What went wrong? How do I, you know, give this to God? And all the spiritual directors in the room are cringing because of how I just explained that, right? <laughs> I know you are. But anyway, <laughs> um, look it up and get a real definition. Um, but it's this little booklet, and every day it's, it's a different one. And one of them leads me to specifically focus on my relationship with God from that day before. And the questions are like, does God feel close? Does God feel far away? Um, are you bored with God? And those are legitimate questions if the relationship is authentic. What am I putting into the relationship? And what's my response when God does feel far away? Who is the person that I am bringing to this relationship? And that's my question to all of us. Who are you bringing to this relationship? Whoever you're bringing, that's who you're sowing to. If you're bringing the self that's like, okay, I'm going to follow after God. Or you're bringing to the relationship the self that's like, I'm going to do what I want to do. Okay, so which self are we sowing to? So not a lot of us in here are um, from an agrarian kind of mindset. A lot, a lot are. But uh, for those of us that aren't, I want you to think of this as an analogy of building a house. Okay, and I'm going to give you kind of three choices how you can build this house. You can build this house using best materials and using best practices. Or you can um, build this house using the worst materials, not such good materials, and uh, you know, not, um, not using such good practices. And then the third one is you can uh, just not show up to the work site at all, okay? And we're gonna kind of play, play that out. Now obviously, the most costly is gonna be the best materials and best practices, and it's the same thing spiritually. That's gonna be the most costly to us. However, we don't have to pay the bill. The Holy Spirit does. He fills us from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. He gives us everything that we need. He is the lifter of our head. <clears throat> so I had the amazing uh, opportunity this past winter quarter to lead an amazing small group, and it was called, um, yes, woo how to, uh, nothing works, how to navigate loving your children. And at, at home, my kids called it the how not to kill your kids group. So, and the question that we asked, that I asked time and time again, we kept coming back to that was, who are you bringing to the parenting table? See, it wasn't about kids. It was about us as parents. And so that's the question that I'm asking right now. Who are you bringing to the table of life? What kind of house are you building? To answer this question You've got to know the person that God's created you to be. So where are we with self-awareness? Where are we with sin awareness? 
Are we able to just sit in silence with ourselves, with our thoughts? You know, when we begin on any kind of journey, let's say just this life journey, we're just like Adam and Eve. You know, they were grooving along in the garden and they realized that they had a a deep need. And so they grabbed whatever they could. We do the same thing. We grab whatever we can to cover up and to meet that need and to fill that void. They used fig leaves. We use power, position, talent. But God in his kindness, he calls us to himself. And he clothes us with the truth of who he is and the truth of who we are in him. You see, we all begin with this false self. We construct our identity made of three different things. What we have, what we can do, and what people think of us. I'm going to say that again. We construct our identity based on what we have, what we can do, and what people think of us. Now, this is one of those moments I'm going to really direct this toward moms. Because... That's our chronic road. (laughs) Um, I will just say, because I've been a mother for 24 years, um, that, and I've been the parents of the mother of young children three times, um, the most judgy group on the planet are young mothers, are the mothers of young children, okay? Oh, you know, how many words does your kids say this week? Or, you know, oh, they did this, or oh, they did that. Oh, well, you didn't, oh, well, that's not how, oh, you let them do, you don't count to three. You don't sit on the, you don't sit on the bench. You don't get a, you don't squeeze their hand. You don't spank the hell out of them. Ooh, did I say that? <laughs> One in the notes. I'm sorry. It's like I told you. I, every time, it's just a big surprise. I hope I don't get in trouble. This may be my, this may be my, my goodbye performance. Okay. <laughs> If that's the case, woo, <laughs> you don't even know. Sorry, let me get it back down here. What are we talking about? Okay, so moms. So yeah, um, because we do. We get, we, what we have done is somehow we have set up this thing to say, okay, if my kid is good, then I must be a great parent. If my kid is bad, I must be a terrible parent. And that is really not how this works. See, the baby agrees. <laughs> baby knows. That's, that's really not how it works. That's not where, I, because see, what we've done, we've ticked all three of those boxes. We're basing our identity on what we have. Ooh, we have a good smart kid. Ooh, we have a not paying attention, not good kid. What can we do? We can parent well. We can't parent well. What do people think of us? I gotta tell you this really ridiculous thing. I was at a football game, this was several years ago, high school football game, and it was um, homecoming, and uh, (laughs) I was sitting with a friend, and there was a, you know, how they, you know how homecoming is a universal thing, you know, they announce the person and the dad and the young lady walk across, and then for the homecoming king, it's the mom and her son. And this one particular mom, she's walking. I mean, she is beautiful. She is Barbie come to life. 
I mean, she's just beautiful. And she had on a red dress that was beautiful. It was all just beautiful. And, and my friend, the side of me, <laughs> she, she looks at this beautiful statuesque creature walking across the field and she goes, well, and this was not a compliment. Okay, so I really want you to hear this. Well, they say you parent like you dress. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't under what I don't understand. What does what does that mean? It's like so she told what she was doing. In case I haven't painted the picture, she was just really ticked off that there was a really skit, a really fit skinny woman in a really great dress, and she wasn't that woman. So it's like so you got to find something. Up. It's like stop. But yeah, let's don't hold on to that. You parent like you dress. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> don't even. So, this for all of us, when we are focusing on and building our life on what we have, what we can do, and what people think of us, that's sowing to the sinful nature. That's what that is. It's not this long list of things that we do or we don't do. You know, Jesus said it's not what a person puts into their mouth that defiles them. It's what comes out. And so that's the thing. It's, it's not all this outside, like, oh, well, I, you know what? We have this family member, and a few years ago, they were really uptight, and recently we were talking about some movie we really liked, and they're like, we didn't see rated R movies. Oh, well. And Reese, in private, says, well, maybe they need to. So... <laughs> Just let me highlight the important prepositional phrase, in private. Yeah. Anyway, they're all good now, but yeah. Um, So it's not those kinds of things. But it's what are we building our identity on? Um, So we actively build our lives on creating this false self. We just do. Uh, Which is to say we sow to the sinful nature by default. And the foundation typically begins when we're children, and this is not blaming our parents. Don't hear that. We get enough of that for free, okay? Um, Not blaming parents, but it's really in us what gets us, what gets our needs met. How do we look for love? How do we find love? How does that, and it's just nature, it's nurture, it's the human condition, but we learned what, pay, what, pay, uh, what behaviors elicit what responses. And we learned that when we're well-behaved, we, um, we get love. When we're the class clown, we get the attention that we desperately seek. And you can just kind of go on and on, look at yourself. You know, we're just trying to figure it out. How do we get love? <clears throat> when I was in the eighth grade... I had this moment. Uh, middle school was not kind to me. I was f- fat, and I had a lot more teeth in my mouth and glasses that weren't good, and it was just... And you have to know, my mother is beautiful, and she's glamorous, and she weighs five. Okay? Yes. I was left at a doorstep. I don't know how we got together. But so in the eighth grade, I had this moment of clarity, and I was just like, you know what? I am not pretty. I am smart, but nobody really cares. So I better be funny or I'm not going to have any friends. I am funny. (laughs) 
But I mean, really, and what it just, as I think back on that, what is so bizarre to me, well, first of all, that an eighth grader would stop and think that, but the, is I was a, I was a Christian. Like, I received Jesus way before that. I was raised Pentecostal. If you don't know what that means, look it up. I don't have time. It's beautiful and wonderful, but just, you know, like I had ticked all the boxes. I was speaking in tongues at eight. Yeah. And still, when I was 13, thought, okay, this is how I have to navigate my way through life. Do you see the huge disconnect there? So finding our true self is really not an event and it's not an exercise. It's not being disciplined and it's not reading the right book. It is surrender to the spirit of the living God. In our vineyard terminology, we use this idea of the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. If you want to live, you die. If you want to find your life, you lose it. Matthew 10, 39 in the New Living Translation says, If you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give it up, you will find it. Surrender is seeking God, not self. This is living in a new creation. So sowing to the Spirit is surrender. What gets in the way? Well, we do. <laughs> we get right in the way. We've carefully spent our lives curating an image, and we've based our identities on what we have, what we can do, and what people think of us. And we have this deep fear that if we remove that mask, we'll be rejected. The very thing that we've chased after, we will lose. We won't be loved. <clears throat> so everybody on the preaching team, you hear us talk from time to time about the Enneagram. I love the Enneagram. I'm a two, which we are helpers, which sounds, woo, which sounds really good. But um, here's where it goes kapooey. Um, I help you because you won't love me if I don't. Or it gets really sinister when we go, I help you and now you owe me. Okay, um, kind of a mob boss kind of situation. Um, so I just know for me, I have to always weigh my motivations. Why am I doing this? Why am I helping? I've got to make sure I'm sowing to spirit because I cannot find love through the works that I do. I will never find love through the works that I do, and neither will you. None of us will. We never, because those, those things, our power, our popularity, our talents, our gifts, they just don't provide the love that we seek. Those, those things don't reveal the true self that God designed us to be from before time began. We tend to base our image of God uh, on our false selves. For example... If you're somebody that like really is into black and white, righteous, holiness, you may look at the Bible and find every mean and scary scripture that there is that supports that. And it'll be all about how hell waits for those who do and don't and don't do what this is and don't do what that says. And then we judge other people based on our view of who we think God is. That's not sowing to the spirit, gang. Facing our true selves is not a shaming experience. We can't be thinking, oh, I'm just worthless, I'm terrible. No, you're created in the image of God, the true God, and it's his redemption that restores us and it frees us. And until we face that true self, 
we're enslaved to the false self. I'm going to read you a scripture from Romans. Um, it's 7, 21 through 8, verse 2. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in the inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work, the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner in the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man person I am. Uh, Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in, a, uh, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ, because through Christ Jesus, in the law of the Spirit of life, has set me free from the law of sin. It has set us free. And then, if we flip over to... See, this is why I have all these books and things. Um, Psalm 119, 41 through 48. Let your loving kindness come to me, O Lord, and your salvation according to your promise. Then I shall have a word for those who taunt me, because I trust in your words. Do not take the word of truth out of my mouth, for my hope is in your judgments. I shall continue to keep the law. I shall... Keep it forever and ever, and here it comes. I will walk at liberty. I will walk at liberty because I study your commandments. We have freedom. We have the freedom to sow to the Spirit. Um, There's a a poet that I read stuff to you just about every time I speak, and um, so today won't be any different. the scripture verse that he starts us from is just to set the scene. Jesus, after day, I'm sorry, just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but his disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And that's John 21, 4. Mary thought he was the gardener. The, disciple, the disciples on the road to um, Emmaus thought he was a newcomer. Why didn't they recognize him? Because he'd been changed. Resurrection isn't coming back to life It's going on to a new life. It's transformation. When Jesus rose, Mary reported to the disciples. They didn't believe it. They were still in an upper room behind locked doors. They heard about resurrection, but it hadn't changed them yet. Too often I live as if resurrection has not actually happened. I am still afraid, still doubting, still ready to go back to fishing with Peter, back to the old life. I don't want to be changed. I say I do, but there is so much that I hang on to. To be raised is to let go of everything, everything I want to cling to, even fear and only love. Am I willing? Willing to cast my net in a different way? Risen Christ, draw me out of this life into the new one. This is sowing to the Spirit. And remember, I mentioned to you a third option when I gave you a little house analogy, and that was just not showing up at the job site at all. That's called ambivalence, my friends. (laughs) Um, We participate in the process of our salvation, our growth in Christ. 
We participate in this unmasking of our false self so that we can truly live. Remember when we um, like had to wear masks like all the time and then we had those little breaks when we didn't have to wear them, but then we had to wear them again? Okay, that was real problematic for me because when I would put them back on, because I was very compliant, yeah, wearing the mask. And then when we got to stop wearing the mask, like, oh, thank God I can breathe. But then we have to start wearing the mask again. And I thought I was going to die. Yes, I'm being dramatic. But it was like, oh, I can't breathe. But when we take off our masks, like the, you know, we've been wearing, you, you not only can breathe better, but we see each other. We see each other. The journey to our true selves is a transformational spiritual journey. And it's like I said in the beginning, any relationship, it has its bumps. It has its, let's go forward, let's go backward, through, you know, all that. It's, it's never just an easy straight line. There are lots of different things that happen to us that we encounter on this journey. And one of the things that we have taken into account um, as a staff is this is a real part of discipleship. And so one of the things that you have access to is something called growth pathways. Now, there's a couple different ways you can find it. The easiest way is if you got a, a program when you came in, if you just open it right up to the front, right there. It just kind of tells you, oh, this is a little thing we do. Basically, if you are brand new to the vineyard or if you've been here for a hot minute, if you are excited about Jesus or if you're like, I don't think this is real anymore. Because we do get to all those places. And not just once. Like last week, I quit. Okay? It just the last two weeks, I've quit. <laughs> Daily. It's been not fun. And yet Jesus is still here. But we all go through all this. And it's not to say, oh, no. No, it's to say, okay, what are we going to do about this? So what your loving church family is able to do is offer something called Growth Pathways. If you didn't, if you didn't want to look on there, you look on our church website. You go to Next Steps. There's a drop-down, and it says Growth Pathways, and you click on that, and it explains all these things to you. You will meet with a lovely trail guide or a handsome trail guide. I don't know who, who, what adjective you like best. You'll meet with a trail guide who's very kind. How's that? And they'll help you figure out what next steps should be. And there are all kinds of next steps. And you know what? Once you go through that, you can do it again. It's not like a one-and-done. But this is a journey, and this is our recognition that we are, every step of the journey, we are sowing to one thing or another. We typically are directed by two questions. Who am I and who is God? So who is God? Who is the spirit that we are sowing to? Regardless of how long we've been walking with Jesus, or if we've never walked with Jesus, or... If you're done walking with Jesus, the character of God is constantly unfolding to us. There is no end. Just like how the universe is still expanding, so is the character of God. There's no, you never get to the point, you go, mm, I'm done, none for me, thanks. 
That's just, that's just not how it works. When we're sowing, well, let me give you an example here. So like I said, the last, as I alluded to, <laughs> last couple of weeks were just, I don't know what happened. I mean, well, maybe I do, but I'm not going to tell you. But it was just, it was hard. It was just hard. Um, those of you that, that run or work out, when you're just at that point of the workout that you just think you're going to just vomit and just die there in your vomit alone, <laughs> that sums up pretty much the last two weeks for me. So um, <clears throat> did I really, did I, you have a picture all good. There's a little thing that I do um, that it's, it's not a big thing, and it's not even the thing that I want you to focus on. But on my way to work, it's like a 10 to 12 minute drive. Um, for several years now, that is silence and that is worship. That's all that is. Not anybody singing. Not, it's, just, it's just that as I get ready to walk in to this. And that's just what Jesus told me to do. Don't do it. Okay, he told me to do that. So at the, a couple days ago, I mean, I was still like swimming in my death vomit, okay? And, <laughs> um, and I started, you know, my same little, you know, worship, whatever. And all of a sudden, my mind, my car, my everything was just filled with his mercy and his light and with right perspective. Now, nothing in my reality had changed, the bomb, it's still right there, okay? This, this situation has not changed, but my perspective has changed. My soul was revived. And that is how we go through this journey. It's not going to always be like, woo, you know? I mean, I kind of wish it was. I really wish it was. But, um, but his mercy, it, it never, there is no end. There's a psalm, and I'm going to kind of butcher it probably, um, but when you walk outside, I want you just to, to look up. I mean, not at the sun, because then that's a retina issue. But, you know, look up, you know, and the glory of the Lord fills the heavens to which there is no end. No matter where we are, no matter what we're doing. So I want to especially, um, oh wait, let me back up, I skipped a paragraph. So um, in sowing to the Spirit, we're sowing to the fruit of the Spirit, which is love Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I want you to look around, maybe in your house, but definitely in our community, in our state, in our nation, globally. There is none of that, or very little. And so my encouragement to all of us is, let's pray, come Holy Spirit, about a thousand times a day. I mean, just come Holy Spirit. I want to encourage uh, moms especially. Everybody else can just go, la, 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 la. Um, <clears throat> the kingdom of this world is going to try to define your choices. It's going to try to define you. Arisa alluded to that when he, um, when he prayed. Even the Christian bubble will try to define you and your choices. This is, Christianity was never meant to be a cookie-cutter situation. Christianity, the life of Christ, is meant to draw us out to be the individuals, the creative masterpieces that God intended. Okay, back to this. Um, but I'm going to ask you, just hold your choices in the light of Christ. Surrender your choices to the love of the Father and be clothed in his righteousness. Let's stop comparing 
each other. Let's stop comparing our kids. Let's stop giving space to shame and pride. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, if you were looking at that, you would see that it's written, Come to me, and then there's a comma. So basically it's this, Come to me. Come to me. Remember the verse that I read, the scripture I read in the beginning? It's like no matter where we go, his presence is with us. He's drawing us to sow to the Spirit every moment of every day.